Is WA a risky strategy? Uh, that is very real, but as is the whole country. It's just yes. a risk everywhere. So um, we know that they're a bit trigger happy over there, and if it is one, then it is one. But I think that's a situation all around the country. So that is very real, Jared. but that's life. That's the world we live in. Uh, the MCG on the back of that just isn't realistic. So that's real in that I can't emotionally engage with the tease that somehow or another there's a plan in the bottom drawer which might be pulled out at the one day. All we can do is live in the circumstances we are in Victoria, in Melbourne at the moment where we've been plunged back into curfew and lockdown has been extended and it looks a fantasy. Looks less likely than ever. Yes, yes. And we sort of lived through this last year as it could, it could, it could. No, it can't. No. And we sort of knew that it can't. So I can't emotionally engage in that. It's it, The protection mechanism is just to shut it off and go, no, it's not going to be here. All finals should... Now... All finals should be at neutral venues. So if Melbourne, the Bulldogs, Geelong and Sydney can't host finals, should Port Adelaide and Brisbane be allowed to or should they also be asked to go and play at neutral venues? No, I say they should be allowed to. If Port Adelaide and Brisbane um, have earned the right to have a home final and they can play at their home venue, then I say fair enough. Brisbane, the, the, the cards rolled for Brisbane, the dice rolled for Brisbane last year, they were able to do it, didn't get them across the line, didn't get them to the grand final. So I, I think if they've put Adelaide and Brisbane are in that vogue, and I would put Geelong into that mix as well. If Geelong have earned the right for a home final and they can get a crowd down there, then play it there as well. Quarter to 11, uh, good sporting goss. That was uh, Gary Lyon and Jared Whateley on AFL 360 last night, and this is what is consuming, apart from Carlton's situation, the odd retirement and a bit of drama here, there and everywhere, is consuming the media landscape of football at the moment. Georgie Parker joins us for her regular spot on Sporting Goss. Georgie, I know you've been queuing up for a a test today. How are you feeling today? How how are you coping with uh, the extended lockdown over there in Melbourne town? Oh, mate, it's so grim over here. I mean, I didn't experience this last year, but I guess this year we have. I mean, Victoria itself, nine out of the last 12 weeks have been in some form of lockdown situation. So it's pretty grim over here. Everyone's up to their wits ends. And it's frustrating because even, you know, when the world feels as though it's ending, you go to the sport pages and that gives you some glimmer hope. And I guess we had two weeks over the Olympics where we didn't really discuss COVID. And then suddenly you're trying to watch news about footy and all it is is COVID, COVID, COVID. Mm. You just can't escape it at the moment. So... Um, it's hard because you can't, you just can't get away from it. But it is what it is. Yeah, 633 cases in Sydney today, 20-odd again in Melbourne, going nowhere fast. Um, It's not blowing out in Melbourne, which is one promising sign, but until there's virtually none, you're just going to have to grin and bear it. Uh, Look, just turn our attention to the footy speak. And uh, Sammy Edmund reporting, Melbourne are campaigning to host a qualifying final at an empty MCG rather than interstate but it seems to be falling on deaf ears. Uh, do you have a take? It is the most Victorian football club thing you could ever imagine, isn't it? You know, I mean, I'm from Adelaide, lived in Perth, so you're well aware of how, I guess, you feel as though it's the VFL and we're, we're lucky to be part of it with how they want us to feel and something like that. I just don't know who wins there unless, of course... It's a safety measure for the other states in terms of not bringing COVID in, but these players are getting tested two, three times a week and under very strict quarantining rules themselves. I just don't know who actually wins in that situation. I mean, the players don't win because they're not playing in front of a crowd. There's no atmosphere and that 
atmosphere is part of why you play. You know, the league doesn't win because there's no money coming through, which gets filtered down to grassroots, to female footy, all the way through down there. You know, the the fans don't win because we're not there. You're watching a something that's not as good to watch on TV or to hear on the radio. I just don't know who wins there. So I don't know whether a win for the football club is worth... Well, I don't think they are bigger than the game itself, which is all the other stakeholders. Very much so. And they talk about, and we just heard Gary and Jared speaking on AFL 360 last night about the advantage of a home final and those clubs that are, have rightfully earned one, of course, but in particular those who can play in front of crowds. Brisbane can, Port Adelaide can, yep. and Geelong can amongst Geelong fans only, Geelong-based people. You can't be yeah. Melbourneian going down. Can you see some merit in that? And then does that make it unfair on, on a Bulldogs or a Melbourne? How many times have they moved Geelong to play a final in Melbourne? You know, I think they change the rules all the time. How many times have you watched interstate teams who finish on top of the ladder have to play at the MCG. So it's an unfair competition at the best of times. We're an 18-team competition that plays 23 rounds. It's an unfair competition whether we want to believe it or not. So Mm -hmm. why are we picking and choosing when we're going to play that card? It's really frustrating because I, I really feel as though these clubs are then thinking we're more important than the fans, which they're not. The fans are the heart and soul of this. Well, Melbourne just want to win the flag. That's all they care about. They don't. They do not care about dollars and cents. They just want correct. They want to win the flag. So you can. I I can see where they're coming from, but I I don't think that's big picture. That's that's a very narrow minded viewpoint in regards to them. Very entitled Victorian way about looking at it, Um, and potentially they might not be like that if they hadn't been so long between drinks with them. Maybe, who knows? But um, I, I feel as though. You know, it's unprecedented times. How many times we say that? So it's just frustrating as a as a fan of the game. I'm here in Melbourne. I'd love for things to be going on here, um, but you know, it, it's a national game, and the game is bigger than the club. The game all about the fans. It should be anyway. The Carlton Review uh, is in the hands of the board and I'm led to believe the new president, Luke Sayers, has said this morning that the 81,500 members will have a reading of the review before the club makes a statement on what they're going to act on the review of uh, Graham Lowe, um, Jeff Walsh and, and Matthew Pavlich. Um, it's clear that you know all that we had they had open access to to everyone at the football club to to chat to them. Pav spoke to us uh, here on Monday in his Gillian Goss uh, studio segment. Said it was rather difficult because most of his stuff, yeah, we love Pav, um, but most of his stuff was done by Zoom and meetings and and, and like, mm. and he wasn't able to get over there firsthand. Um, can you imagine being David Teague, and for that ma- for that matter, David Teague's family and friends and stuff? I mean, mm. to have your career, and it's pretty obvious which way this is going to go, to have it played yeah. out as much as it is, and now Ross Lyon, not for the want making up stories, but adding a bit of mayonnaise to the Lee Matthews conversation, which has had to seek some clarity from Lee Matthews about what actually he did say. Um and obviously he wants the job and there's talk of him already assembling a, a committee, to a coaching committee and coaching group. Yeah. Um, it must be really difficult on David Teague. Forget about the players and forget about the fans and forget about the club. David Teague, yeah. how tough. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I'm still in the camp that I feel as though he's only been there for two years and he probably got the job prematurely after a little bit of a takeover period that um, – 
they the boys performed in. So then he got this job. And I think, I don't know if he wasn't ready for it or, um, you know, there's, there's something bigger picture than just David Teague. And I guess that's what this report is going to show because they've got this history at that club in the last, you know, 10 years of going through coach after coach and not having any success, no matter who the coach is. So what's the common denominator there, you know? Mm. Um and the same, same almost goes for Justin Langer at the moment. It's just incredible some of the stuff going on. If you're the media yeah. manager, if you're a media manager of a sporting organisation, and then you're no longer the media manager, do you think you should be putting that out into the public space about some of the times you spend in that job? Unless you are writing it in a book, he's writing it for a newspaper. Yeah. I'm talking about Malcolm Con. Jared Whateley thinks that's mm-hmm. uh, not quite kosher. What's your thought? Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's kind of like it's meant to be a safe space, isn't it? Um, so, you know, I guess I had a, not really a similar situation, I guess, with the hockey, um, review that they had earlier this mm-hmm. year. I was very, very mindful of the way I spoke, the language I used and what I said and who I said it to, because in the end, I didn't think that that was going to help hockey with certain things that I was saying. And there's ways to go about it to actually get your, your voice heard to the right people. So, um, I don't know, you have a lot of trust within sporting organisations and they're not normal workplaces as well. So things that are getting said and, and stress levels are completely elevated at all times. So it's a, it's not a normal workplace. It shouldn't be ever compared to a normal workplace. doesn't mean that things should get swept under the rug, of course. Mm. Um, but I do think that um, things need to be completely put into context before you can read into them and I think sometimes these little snippets of how things were said hasn't had the whole story of the lead up the things that happened after it either so it is kind of an interesting one where you have to take it as a grain of salt that's what I do anyway because um, coaches under immense stress and you you know I think a lot of coaches if you actually took every single thing they said they could get in a lot of trouble but if you put it into context they wouldn't. 100% agree. Uh, cheer up. I know you're doing it oh, tough. I know you're doing yeah, it tough. tough. Uh, thoughts are with you um, and everyone over Thanks, there man. in Melbourne town. Um, and uh, uh, we will chat to you on Monday on Gillian Goss. Uh, keep firing and um, Thanks, everything mate. will be okay. Good on you. Georgie Thanks, Parker. Go, go Frio on the weekend, hey? Go Frio on the weekend. They're playing <laughs> down in Tasmania. Nice work by you. It is five away from 11. Dean Margetts has arrived. He's no longer an AFL umpire. He is going to lift the lid. On everything, and oh, no, he's not. He's just walked into the studio. He's just come in, still wearing his umpire's top, which is in, in fact, he's still wearing his uniform. He's wearing his blue outfit that he's got on. Let's take some news, uh, a break, and then news. It's 18.3 degrees. You're listening to Sporting Goss.